morning I want to tell you a story and it starts like this. Once upon a time, you were dead. It's not a great start, is it, for a story? But if you're here as a Christian person this morning, if you've met Christ and surrendered to him, if you're standing this side of the cross, it's a story that's about you and it's not a fairy tale. It might be a once upon a time, but the key is once. Once you were dead. We read about it in Ephesians 2, the passage we're going to look at this morning. Our past was death. We were, in the words of Alistair Begg, a well-known preacher, dead men walking. He says, life without God is a living death. And every day we see dead men walking. Seems harsh, but it's true. And they were, these words do reflect this passage that we're going to look at today. So if you'd like to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, if you prefer to read in your version. However, I am going to read the passage today from the contemporary English version. So it's up to you whether you're reading through yours as you hear the words I speak or if you want to um, just listen into these words. We'll refer back to the more familiar NIV later. But it's a good way to focus our thinking when we hear a different version of a passage. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 for you. And it says, In the past you were dead because you sinned and fought against God. You followed the ways of this world and obeyed the devil. He rules the world and his spirit has power over everyone who doesn't obey God. Once we were also ruled by the selfish desires of our bodies and minds. We had made God angry and we were going to be punished like everyone else. But God was merciful. We were dead because of our sins, but God loved us so much he made us alive with Christ and God's gift of undeserved grace is what saves you. God raised us from death to life with Christ Jesus and he has given us a place beside Christ in heaven. God did this so in the future world he could show how truly good and kind he is to us because of what Christ Jesus has done. You were saved by faith in God who treats us much better than we deserve. This is God's gift to you and not anything you have done on your own. It isn't something you've earned so there is nothing you can brag about. God planned for us to do good things and to live as he has always wanted us to live. This is why he sent Christ, to make us what we are. Well, there you have it. It's pretty plain. Paul is pretty clear. Once you were dead. Dead in transgressions and sins, and it's the way you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. It's how you were when you followed the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who's at work in those who are disobedient. And all of us lived like this at one time. To help us as we um, think about this story, the once upon a time, um, I thought it might be helpful to sort of uh, give you a diagram of that. So I'm just going to get my whiteboard. here. Uh, 
and my markers. And on this side, we're starting out with once. Upon a time. So this is where we are, in the once upon a time. We want to get somewhere over to the happily ever after. But we start out with once upon a time. We were the dead men walking and we were consumed by, the passage tells us, self-gratification. We followed those desires and those thoughts and in fact we were on a path to hell. And we were no different to anyone else. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You might be feeling a bit uncomfortable about those words. Is that a bit heavy? Because it's truth that scripture tells us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're not that different. We're not that strong in ourselves. We don't, something, we don't have anything within us that can somehow rise above in our own strength. We were objects of wrath and we were dead. So once we were dead. You know, when I first became a Christian or in that lead up to the time when I became a Christian, I really struggled with this whole concept of sin because I didn't feel like I was a sinner. I wasn't really doing anything that bad. I led a pretty good life. I lived in a a quiet, stable home. Uh, I liked school. I did well at school. I was you know, polite and respectful and I felt like I was doing all the right sort of things in life, apart from the fact that I didn't know God. Um, Yeah, I just didn't do bad things. And sin to me seemed to be all that really big, gory, obvious, you know, someone murders, someone uh, is violent, you know, inappropriate sexual expression, drugs, you know, alcohol, smoking, all those things. My mum and dad were smokers. And um, there was this time that I thought I'd be really helpful and mum was out in the garden and I would bring to her her cigarette. She'd asked for her cigarettes and I thought I would light it and bring it to her. And I went inside and I tried and tried and tried to light that cigarette and it wouldn't light. And so I came out to the garden and I said to her, like, you know, you've got a dud and mum just laughed at me. Anyone here who's been a smoker is probably laughing because I know you have to drag on the cigarette to get it to light. And so she said, oh, well, it's obvious to me you've never snuck behind the shelter sheds to have a smoke. Um, You know, I was a good sort of person, but I didn't know God. And I came to a point in my life where I knew that I wanted God and yet I still couldn't see myself as a sinner. And it took uh, what I call the leap of faith or that gift of faith, God had gifted me faith to bridge the gap, to know that I was a sinner and I did need a saviour. So we don't want to think of ourselves as sinners. Sin is not a pleasant thing. Um, comedians tried to make it, try to make it out as that you know, fun place. You know, we'll all go to hell and have a great big party. Well, hell is not that. Hell is torment. Hell is without God. And it's serious. And we need to um, face the seriousness of sin. And it's not something that we talk about much. We much prefer the lighter side of things. We don't want to talk about sin. It's not a a nice thing. But when we're 
in the once and we're dead, we don't see the sin because we are deceived and we're in this world where we don't have a right judgment. But God has a right judgment and this is what he says. Once you were dead in the sin. And I'm very thankful that God led me through that fog of misunderstanding, gifting me faith so that I could accept the offer of grace. And when we acknowledge the once, how much more thankful can we be for the now? Because once we were dead, but because of his great love, a great love that comes to us at the cross, I hope that's it's not very dark. It's very symbolic. We're black over here for the death. We're red in here. The cross of Christ, where he shed his blood because of God's great love. A great love that comes to us in Christ. His mercy, his grace. We were dead in transgression and sin. We were in a, a dire situation, not just sick or weak or wounded. We couldn't get from here to happily ever after. Any possible way on our own, we were dead. And when you're dead, you don't have the power to do anything. And we were facing a very nasty payday because the wages of sin is death, a continuation of death. There was no way we were escaping this. Our payday was more of death. Only God, with the power over life and death, is able to save us, to redeem us, to help us escape, as, um, as Mark mentioned and, and Brent mentioned, to, uh, being enslaved to sin. Only God has the power to break those bonds. And so we come, because of God's great love, to the cross. And it's not just that we get this relationship this way with God, but also our relationship this way changes. Our relationship with each other changes as a result. And we can move forward because you're not moving anywhere when you're dead. But when you have a relationship with God through Christ, we have a relationship with each other that also moves forward. So once we stood on one side of the the cross, but when we meet Christ um, and we surrender to him and we accept and become in Christ, then we join with Christ who was the firstborn among the dead and we are raised with him and seated with him in heavenly realms. John 11:25, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Will you live in this way on this earth as a dead man walking, only living only to die or are you going to choose death that you might live in Christ? When we have union with Christ, we move from death to love, life and love and it's out of God's great love. And we don't just become living people because we're bound to being in Christ. So we'll put this up here as well. In Christ. Christ is central. The cross is central. And it's not life unless it's in Christ. That's where we get our life. We're not made alive in any other way. Because we think we're alive here. 
but we're not. We have to be in Christ to be made alive. So we were once clinging to this self-proclaimed life, Galatians 2, 20, 21, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's this strange exchange. You know, God's economy is a very strange thing. And we talk about how he flips the story on its head. We talk about how the disciples weren't sure what was going on. He changes everything about and upends our understanding of things. We think we're alive, but we're dead. Then we claim death. With him, we become alive. Just is a, a strange thing that he does. But his riches of grace and kindness come to us in Christ. And it's God's love and his grace and his mercy that it's at work. I wonder how many um, learnt memory verses when they were first a Christian or continued to do that. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 was one of those early foundational verses for me. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's not of works, lest you boast. It's the, the gift of God. And then it goes on, verse 10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ to do good works that he has prepared beforehand. The complete treasure of God's grace, the incomparable Nothing can compare with the riches of his grace. Come to us through kindness in Christ. And in his kindness, God gifts us faith. I suspect that everyone here has at one time or another given or received a gift voucher. I just received one from my mother and father-in-law for my birthday, which was very special. I wonder how many of you have tucked away your voucher, misplaced it or forgotten it before you got to use it. I wonder how many got a Christmas voucher 2019 that expired in somewhere in the middle of COVID and you've never been able to claim the benefit. Well, faith, if I can use this analogy, is like a gift voucher. You have to take that voucher and present it to access the benefit of it. Um, if I have a voucher for the cinema... I can't see the movie just because I've got the voucher. I have to present my voucher to get my entrance into the, the cinema to watch the movie. You don't get the benefit until you present it. And so faith is a voucher that we take to the cross of Christ if we want to access the benefit of life in Christ. He gives us faith, but we have to use it. I did think about having an exercise with two random chairs, one with an envelope that says, you know, run forward and get your prize at the cross, you know, or, and someone else like, well, you've got, you've got faith, don't do anything, just sit there. Because that's what he does. He gifts us faith and some of us have chosen, I hope all of us actually, have chosen to take our gift of faith, the voucher of faith, to the cross of Christ and receive life in Christ. Some are given a gift of faith and they haven't acted on it. It is no benefit to them if you don't act upon the gift that God has given you. And it is a gift. We can't earn it. You can't buy the voucher for yourselves. Um, God is the only one sufficient to pay for this voucher. So we can't do anything to earn it. It's not a reward. Uh, 
many times when we were doing um, deputation in terms of going overseas, I referred back to a story and a song called Please Don't Send Me to Africa. Anybody familiar with that song? Yeah, there's a few laughs. It's a, it's a bit of a humorous song. Um, we did it as a skit when I was younger. It's about earning good favour with God and about avoiding the call to the uncomfortable. And a couple of the verses go like this. O Lord, I am your willing servant. You know I have been for years. I'm here in this pew every Sunday and Wednesday. I've stained it with many a tear. I've given you years of my service. I've always given my best and I've never asked you for anything much. So Lord, I deserve this request. And then the chorus, please don't send me to Africa, etc. Then verse 2. I'll see the money is gathered. I'll see that the money is sent. I'll wash and stack the communion cups. I'll tithe 11%. I'll volunteer for the nursery. I'll go on the youth group retreat. I'll usher, I'll deacon, I'll go door, door to door. Just let me keep warming this seat. We cannot boast in anything. The hymn says, no service, no giving, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but we can boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. And the interesting thing is we can't even boast in believing because believing is a matter of faith. And the faith is a gift of God. We can boast in God's grace and his kindness to us in Christ. We were objects of wrath, living ungodly lives for ourselves. But God loved us so greatly, he gifted us faith. A faith that allows us to experience his grace through Jesus so that we are made alive. So we exchange our death for life, but we can't do it on our own. We are made alive because of God's great love. And the interesting thing is, of course, we're dead, but we are raised with Christ. And when we're made alive, we get the ever after. And I know I started with once upon a time, and I know our ever after is going to be glorious, but I didn't want to say happily ever after. Happily, happily is just a, like an insipid word when it comes to what we're going to experience in Christ. Happily ever after just doesn't seem to, to cut the mustard, as they say. You know, our, our, our ever after with him is glorious. It's not just a happily ever after. So we're made alive, we're raised with Christ, and we're called, in verse 10 tells us, we're called to do good works. We are God's workmanship created by him and in Christ and he has prepared good works for us to do. And they're the union, the good works are come out of the union with Christ. They're the natural overflow of being conformed to him, like fruit that grows on the branch. You know, in John it talks about Christ the vine, we are the branches. So the result is the sap or the lifeblood of the plant. That is what provides the fruit. Good works are the natural result. And in past times I've tormented myself about what are the good works I have to do and did I miss some and did I do this well enough? And in preparing this message I got a real, uh, a new sense or reassurance that it's not about what I do in myself because that will just lead to false thinking about earning favour through my works. It's about the works that I do being good because I am in Christ is about demonstrating and expressing the riches of his grace in my actions. 
Not works that gratify the craving of my sinful side, but works which are good works because they demonstrate kindness. If God can express the incomparable riches of grace, his grace, through kindness in Christ, then kindness is a good place, a very good place, to begin with our own good works. Once we were dead, once upon a time, under the penalty of sin, but now made alive in Christ, assured to our ever after by grace through faith, and as God's workmanship, we're able to live in the now, doing good works that he prepared in advance as we await our future. I've been reading a book the last few weeks called Aging, Growing Old in Church and it seemed to fit this passage and our sharing this morning so I wanted to read this quote to you. The writer had this to say, My life is not my own. I live on borrowed breath. While I have life, in whatever physical or mental condition I find myself, in whatever circumstances I am cast, I'm called to glorify, to serve and to enjoy God and God's good gifts and to use whatever gifts God has given me in service to the needs of others. Eventually, God will take back the life with which God has entrusted me so that I might be given the gift of glorifying and enjoying God forever. Why does Paul write so vividly about the once? I'm just going to remove this because I've got a slide which is a much prettier one that Catherine prepared rather than my diagram so that you can see why he writes about the once so vividly. Just get this out of the way. He writes about the once because it shows just how great God is, our rescue from the once, that we could have God's great love, his great mercy, his great grace, his great kindness to us in Christ and his great gift to us of faith. We need to be reminded, don't we, how God, how great God really is and what we've come from and what he has done for us through Christ upon the cross. Earlier in Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 22, we read that God appointed Christ as head over everything and we, the church, are his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way and we need to return again and again to a right view of things. God, the head of everything, and the church, we are the church, his body, demonstrating his fullness in everything in every way. Well, that brings us to big questions. Where do you stand and who are you? The title of our sermon series is Becoming Who You Are. So who are you? Are you dead or are you alive? Which side of the cross do you stand today? Is today an intersection at the cross, a coming to the in Christ at the cross for the first time or an again and again time? Are you dead under the ruler of the kingdom of air or alive and seated with Christ in heavenly realms? Are you in the once, in disobedience, or are you in the now, surrendered to the headship of Christ? Are you an object of wrath or are you saved by grace? The Old West posters used to make it quite clear, wanted, dead or alive. 
and God makes it clear, we are wanted. We are loved. We are wanted even when we were dead in sin because of his great love. We are wanted as those alive in Christ, even doing the good works that he prepared because of God's great love. And we are wanted not for judgment, but because of his great love. I invite you now to pray with me. Lord, we just thank you that you are a God who is great and your grace and your mercy and your love and your kindness and the gift of faith are great gifts to us. They come out of your great love for us. May we today have a fresh understanding or a new understanding. May we have an assurance of being brought from death to life. Or may we have the conviction of where we need to come to you at the cross and accept your gift of faith to us that we might be made alive, that we all might be moved from a place of death in transgression and sin to being alive in Christ forevermore. And so we just thank you, Lord, that you are a great God and a God of great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to close the service this morning, but it it seemed appropriate to provide an opportunity for you to respond. And I'm going to invite you, if there are some once things of life that you want to leave behind this morning, that you feel need to be left at the cross and crucified with Christ and left in the past, or even if there are some alive in Christ things that are on your mind and heart that you want to share with someone this morning, I'm going to invite you to come forward for prayer. Joe and Marg and Brent and myself will be available to you here at the front. But there may be those among you who don't feel a need to respond with prayer right in this moment. So I'm going to encourage you to go and enjoy fellowship over tea and coffee and go into the week ahead in the knowledge of God's great love for us. Thank you.